Amen. If you would, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter one, verses three through five. Second Timothy chapter one, verses three through five. Hear now the word, the living God. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is also in you. This is the word of the living God, and we say thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Now, O Lord, we pray that you might encourage our hearts, exhort us, comfort us, guide us. Help us as we rest on the truth of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take just a moment at the beginning of this evening's sermon to mention our normal practice and then to mention how we'll seek to do our normal practice but in a slightly different way in this sermon. Our normal practice is to take a passage of Scripture to mine it for all that it is, to proclaim it, to seek for God to make application to our hearts from it. Many times from this pulpit, we'll do that book by book or passage by passage. We just finished the book of Colossians. Our brother is doing that more chapter by chapter in the book of Zechariah. However, there are times where we seek to look at a particular theme through the lens of multiple passages. And that is what we'll be doing tonight. It's not as though we'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 and not speak to what it says, but rather we'll see that what it says is a description of truths that we see in various parts of the scriptures. So rather than walking verse by verse through 2 Timothy tonight, we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, and then at a host of passages which speak to the related theme. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul makes an astounding statement, writing to his protege in the ministry, if you will, his trainee. He says that he thanks God with a pure conscience. For Timothy, longing to see him, and then he recalls something. He recalls the genuineness of Timothy's faith. But then there's a line which we often skip over, if we're honest. It's not just Timothy's faith, but notice he continues, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, And I am persuaded is in you also. Paul is thanking God. He is glorying in God for the faith that God has granted Timothy, but the faith that Timothy's grandmother and mother had. As we'll see in just a few moments, this likely also was formative for Timothy, for Later in 2 Timothy, reference is made to the fact that he knew the scriptures from an early age, undoubtedly 
learning them at the feet of Grandmother Lois and Mother Eunice. What I want us to consider tonight is a godly parental heritage. A godly parental heritage. Now, I know that the world, Hallmark, and our calendars say that this is Father's Day. Interestingly enough, many of our texts are really going to be specifically about mothers. But we're going to broaden this out just a little bit and see the glories of a godly parental heritage, both mother and father. There are going to be four simple things that I want us to see tonight, four truths as we consider this theme of a godly paternal heritage throughout the Bible. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul, of course, longing to see Timothy, mentions Timothy's heritage, a heritage of faith. Notice there again, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. The first thing that we see in this text and others that we'll look at tonight is the heritage of a godly parent. The heritage of a godly parent. Now, many times the scriptures command us to do something or to see something or to obey something. Other times there are descriptions of things. And these descriptions in many cases are descriptions that are good and worth emulation. I think we have one such description here tonight. It might seem like a simple detail, but really there's something good that Paul recognizes about Timothy's heritage. And as you flip through the pages of the Bible, you will begin to see that all over the Bible, there is reference to this kind of a heritage, the heritage of a godly parent. Notice that Paul could point to this heritage this heritage of Timothy's as a major beneficial providence in his life. Second Timothy is likely the final book of Holy Scripture that Paul will write. He's writing it, of course, to Timothy, verse 2, a beloved son. But notice as he begins his letter, as he begins to describe the truths of this letter to Timothy, he mentions this good and providential heritage. Have you considered, if you grew up in a believing home, that there was a heritage of godly parents that the Lord used to benefit you, that were good for you? The heritage of a godly parent. Turn over just a page or so to chapter 3 and verse 15. Chapter 3 and verse 15. We'll pick up in verse 10, but focus our attention on verse 15. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, where persecutions are what I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. As an aside, parents, is this something that we are preparing our children for? Verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now consider the sheer reality of this three-chapter letter thus far. For in the fourth chapter, Paul is going to talk about preaching the word. He's going to mention the reality of being alone and being abandoned. Here in chapter 3, he mentions that those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer. And what does Paul point back to? The heritage of knowing the scriptures. Where did Timothy from childhood learn the scriptures? Undoubtedly, it was at the feet of grandmother Lois and mother Eunice. You see, the Lord God allowed that Timothy, in his own providence, that Timothy would have a godly grandmother and a godly mother of sincere faith that would teach him the scriptures from an early age and that later in life, Paul would be able to say to Timothy, you have known the scriptures since you were a child. Now be prepared to suffer. What a heritage. Would that we be raising a generation of children that can look back and say, when time calls them to suffer, I am ready because from my childhood, my parents taught me the word. The heritage of a godly parent. But by implication, I think there is secondly also a warning to a parent, perhaps even warning to godly parents. And really for this, all we need to say is that the benefit that Timothy received of sitting at the feet of grandmother Lois and mother Eunice, learning the scriptures, is a benefit because they actually taught him the word. They actually lived out the faith in front of him. We don't know all of the details. But that much is clear. But you know, elsewhere in the word, there are some descriptions of people who did not have such godly training. One such example, we could turn to many, but turn over to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 22, just one particular example. Second Chronicles chapter 22. We might say that in the scriptures, what is elevated is a good and providential gift for Timothy, that of a grandmother and a mother who taught him the word. There are others in the scriptures whose parents, in this case, whose mothers did not teach them and counsel them well. Second Chronicles 22, beginning in verse one, then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his place. For the raiders who came with the Arabians into the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Ahaziah was 42 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother 
advised him to do wickedly. Therefore, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab. There's a heritage that a godly parent has. But parents, there is a warning in passages like this for those of us who are counseling children. And I know that it may seem strange for a young man of 42 years of age to still be receiving counsel from his mother. And yet, traditions being what they were back then, his mother's counsel was his downfall. There's a warning to us in this. Just as people like Timothy can have a wonderful heritage, a providential good gift of a godly parent or godly parents. A warning to those of us who are counseling children, who are raising children. Is that we seek to train them in the wisdom, nurture and admonition of the Lord. Returning to 2 Timothy chapter 1 for just a moment and verse 5. Notice Paul remembers the genuineness of Timothy's faith. But he also remembers the heritage, the good heritage, not the ungodly, wicked heritage of Ahaziah, the good and godly heritage. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, And I am persuaded is in you also. We see a third reality, don't we? And that is the influence. The influence of a godly parent. The influence of a godly parent. And for this, I want us to just work our way through a couple of passages of Scripture. Not only did Timothy have a heritage which was a blessing. A heritage which later the Apostle Paul could point back to and say... You learn the scriptures at an early age, at the feed of grandmother Lois and mother Eunice. There's also the implication that parents will influence their children. Godly parents will influence their children. Speaking of this influence, there is need of mentioning the reality that we must be intentional. In this influence, we must be intentional in this influence. Turn to the book of Proverbs for just a moment. Of course, Proverbs helps us when we consider the topic of wisdom. But listen to these various Proverbs, just Proverbs chapter one and verse eight. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Sounds like that's exactly what Timothy did. He didn't forsake the law, the teaching of his grandmother and mother. He didn't forsake the scriptures that were taught to him at an early age. Turn over to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6 and verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. There's the need for parents to be intentional. In training their children along with this command of the book of Proverbs, there are also implications. Turn to Proverbs 29, 29 and verse 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, 
But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Brothers and sisters, Paul can point to the gift of a heritage that Timothy had. This then causes us to see the various warnings throughout Scripture for parents. We could go to many different places. We looked at one biographical place as we considered Ahaziah in Second Chronicles, when we saw the warning that is there, that parents who counsel in ungodly ways will indeed influence their children. But as we consider this influence, if parents have such an influence, if a godly parent has such influence on his or her child, then there is the need to be intentional in discipling and training Let me just speak specifically for a moment. Parents, if your thought is that Sunday morning is the only time that you will be teaching your children the word of God, you're missing something. If your thought is that the only time that your children are going to be learning the word is when you go to church, that's what we go to church for. And of course it is, but are you intentionally training your children in the word? Are you training them in how to think about the world around them? Joel Beakey has said, quote, A mindless Christianity will spawn a spineless Christianity. An anti-intellectualistic gospel will spawn an irrelevant gospel. End quote. And he's absolutely right. We need to be training our children in the word. We need to be catechizing them. But we need to be training them how to think from the principles of the word, so that they will know how to make decisions like Timothy and not like Ahaziah. So this involves strong effort, doesn't it? It involves what we do at home. It involves how we train our children. It's a very practical question. Are you sending your child to a school? If so, do you know what your child is learning and are you involved? Do you homeschool your child? If so, are you intentionally involved in their training? Or are you simply assuming because they're at home, godly learning will happen? Are you intentional? Because you have such great influence. And would that we be raising a generation of Timothys such that Paul could write and say, you're going to suffer, but you know the scriptures. And you've known them from your childhood. The Puritan William Googe, when talking about parents, and in this case specifically mothers, or haven't we seen the theme of mothers in Timothy's life, in Ahaziah's life? Googe writes this, quote, For while children are young, their mother is most in their sight. She feeds and clothes them, and she cares for them when they are not well. Therefore, her precepts and practice are most influential on the children, and she has the best opportunity to persuade them to what she likes best. So what they learn in their younger years, commonly they learn of their mothers. And that which which they then learn, for the most part, sticks closely to them and is longest retained by them. Now, in the simple reading of that quote, is there not a weight there, for, in this case, for moms? Godly parents have such influence. But the world around us would love to strip that influence away. 
It would love for us to devalue the role of parents and specifically the role of mothers. It would love for us to look at women and say, you need to have this level of attainment. This must be your goal. Motherhood is a burden. It holds you back. And the very thing that God has designed for parents to do, to train their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, which takes time and intentionality, is the very thing that we're tempted from within and from without sometimes to shirk. You see, the Word of God presents us with a picture of the heritage of a godly parent. With a warning by implication to godly parents. It also reminds us of the influence that we have as godly parents. So what are you doing with the arrows that the Lord has put in your quiver? But if we continue to walk through the pages of Scripture, there is at least one other thing that we'll see regarding a godly parental heritage. And that is... Thanksgiving for godly parents. Thanksgiving for godly parents. I want to approach this in two particular ways this evening. First, consider from Proverbs 31 this reality. Turn with me to Proverbs 31. For there, elsewhere also, but for for the time being there, we see this picture of being thankful for a godly mother. Proverbs 31, verses 27 and 28. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Notice the picture that we see here. In this case of the mother will broaden this out even to parents in general. If the Lord God in His providence gave you a godly parent or a set of godly parents, do you praise the living God that in His providence that is the path that He gave you? Boys and girls, as you grow and you see parents that are not like your parents, and sometimes you see or you hear of parents that don't seem to care about the Lord the way that your parents do, as you begin to see that not all parents are created equal, And that you might actually have it better in your home than you thought. Do you consider thanking God for giving you parents who believe in Christ? In this case, most literally, do you thank the Lord for a mother and for a father who tend to the home and to leading the home in such a way? that it can be used of God for your good. Now, that's one way that I want us to consider thanksgiving for godly parents. But, you know, there's another way. We won't do this tonight, but if we were to survey this room tonight, many of you would say, I would love to give thanksgiving to God for a godly parent, but I didn't have one. This is often the case in the church of Jesus Christ, isn't it? For the last 2,000 years, the Lord God has seen fit to save people. And many of those people did not come from godly homes. Many of them did, like Timothy. But many didn't. If you didn't have a godly father,
father or a godly mother to praise the Lord for. Then you ought to pray for your parents if they are still living. Pray that the Lord God would save them. And if I can say this respectfully, seek to be different in how you parent your own children and how you point them to the God of the Bible. Paul can say to Timothy, remember the home from which you came, Timothy. Of all the things that Paul would be thinking about when he thinks about Timothy, I'm thanking God for you, Timothy. I can't wait to see you, Timothy. And I'm remembering your faith, a faith that dwelt first in grandmother Lois and mother Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. There's a heritage for Timothy and for many of you. There is a warning. And there is the strong reminder that parents have an influence over their children. Mothers and fathers, very little that you do in this life, humanly speaking, will matter more than what you do with the children that God has given you. Very little of what you do in this life will touch the next earthly generation more than what you do with the children that God has given you. This ought to cause us to be prayerful. And if God did grant us a godly heritage, to thank him for it. So perhaps a few diagnostic questions as we close. Firstly, children, do you honor your parents with obedience from the heart? Are you thankful that God gave you parents that create a home where you are taught the truths of the scriptures, where you perhaps in the same way as Timothy have learned the scriptures from an early age. What a benefit. Paul calls this, in essence, a benefit. What a benefit you have. And on those days when you and your parents are frustrated at one another, when you feel as though you just don't want to obey any longer, do not forget the gift that God has given you in parents who seek to train you in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. A question for husbands and then a question for wives. Husbands, do you provide an environment for your wives, your wife to flourish as a mother? If, as we've seen over the pages of Scripture, the role of the mother is important, brothers, do you provide an environment for your wife to flourish as a mother? Similarly, Wives, do you provide an environment for your husband to flourish as a father? Perhaps another diagnostic question for all of us as the church of Jesus Christ. Do we allow the world or the scriptures to define our view of motherhood and fatherhood? Do we allow the world... Or is it the scriptures that we use to define our view of motherhood and fatherhood?
I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Brothers, sisters, as you parent your children, as you seek to provide a heritage of godly living for your children, as you seek to influence your children, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't forget that God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where all of your children are. Don't think that life would be better if you were just doing something different instead of parenting. A living God has seen fit to give you a quiver of arrows. What a blessing you have. Let us take hold of each arrow and let us like Grandmother Lois and Mother Eunice, seek to provide a heritage for these children and to train them in the Scriptures so that one day, when, as 2 Timothy 3 becomes a reality, that they desire to live godly in Christ Jesus and they suffer persecution. And the question is asked of them, how is it that you have strength How is it that you have knowledge? How is it that you have wisdom to sustain and bear up under this persecution? Why are you not shocked that the world is coming against you and your faith? They can say, with Paul, as he said it of Timothy, from childhood, I have known the Holy Scriptures. Let's pray. Almighty God, strengthen and equip all of those in this room who are seeking to parent for the mothers, for the fathers. Give wisdom and discernment. Give patience and kindness. Give resolve. Help us to see the tremendous privilege as families, but also as a church that we have children given to us by the living God. Lord, we pray that you would be raising them up in such a way that they are an even better generation than ours, that they know the scriptures better than we knew the scriptures, that they have a resolve to bear up under the ways of the world even better than we because the heritage of a godly home. And for those in this place, Lord, who feel like they're failing, for those who hear a sermon like this and they begin to think, oh, another thing that I'm not doing well, Lord, would you give them the grace to start afresh For your mercies are new every morning. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's stand together as we sing. You'll find the words to this hymn in your book.